Hello and welcome to Dare to Create, a podcast brought to you by Ford. I'm Penny Mallory, a former British and World Rally Championship driver and a huge motorsport fan. This original podcast series will be taking a unique look at innovation in motorsport and the people helping to craft the future of racing. We'll be chatting to the teams behind one of the world's leading car brands, as well as interviewing some of the rising stars in the world of racing. This is episode two, Making Dreams a Reality. In this episode, I'm going to be chatting to Yates Buckley from Unit 9, the innovative studio that partnered with King's College and Ford Performance to deliver the incredible study on drivers' brains. In part two, I'm joined by Hugh Boys, the man behind the EEG helmet that monitored drivers' brainwaves. We heard from Dr. Elias in episode one about the study, so let's find out from Yates the impact of this research how it could transform motor racing and even driving for the everyday person. The first time I, I, I was in a rally car with the driver, you know, I signed off everything and got in the car and, and drove in there. I, I was so surprised on what the environment is like. It just does not convey on video. Um, I, you know, I remember I, I was hoping that I'd be able to take timing of laps because we're, we're running laps because we want to record how the brain responds to the same bit of track, you know, to the same chicane or whatever it is. So anyway, I thought I'd, I'd pull out my iPhone. I thought I'd be able to press the button to, you know, press lap. And the vibrations yeah. were so big, I couldn't coordinate my hand to my phone to just hit the button. Yeah. I remember I was, you know, trying desperately to hit the button, but G-forces were dragging my phone left and right in one hand, the other. And and so it's it's an incredible environment. And, and, and then I remember turning over to look at what the driver was like. And to be honest, I, I don't, I, I know you're a driver. I, I, I don't want to offend, but he didn't look completely human. He looked like some kind of <laughs> like he'd grown extra two arms or something like that. And 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 he was dancing with the machine. And and I, I was timing it. And and I think every five to ten seconds we had an impressive big G-force event. You know, something like on an airplane, the worst kind of you know G-force event you'd run into. And, and then and his hands were doing th- hands and legs were doing things. Even even every even every second every two seconds, I mean, very busy, much more busy. But but when you looked at him, he looked completely calm, you know, completely <laughs> completely focused. You know, his head wasn't even jumping around much. It, it was incredible. I mean, it, it did not look uh, like a, a normal human being. There, it looked yeah, like and, something and completely different. It, it's wonderful to hear your description of it because I think certainly in my experience, if if people get in a car, they think they know what they're going to expect, and then they are blown away because they had no idea. It's such a violent sort of experience, but for, as a passenger, but as a, the driver looks like they're, you know, it's a walk in the park. Yeah, so... it's, it's a mixture between being extremely violent and extremely graceful because yes. then between these pieces, the, the car is kind of just moving with its with its inertia and sliding across and little yes. teeny fine adjustments are being made. And then there'll be like a very serious adjustment in between there. So it's, it's very fascinating. I think when I saw that, I was just completely, um, I was to be honest, I was doubly fascinated, partly just to see what they're doing. And then partly that we had been collecting data and I was just surprised that our data could actually reflect all this, all this activity, all this motion. So I, I felt very confident that the setup we have is actually able to, um, to, 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 to get through somehow. The next most fascinating point is, is when we got out of the car, I, I did some you know, data processing and, 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 and put the data together. And, and I mapped some of the features uh, that his you know, brain was going through along, the, along the, the stage, you know, along the track. 
And then I showed him this this map. Uh, you know, they had little dots in terms of where certain events were happening in his in his brain data. I think, and it was really blown away by the fact that he could tell me the story of what was happening in his brain wow. <laughs> at different stages. And it was it was completely not also intuitive to me because I always see situations like, oh, this bit of the track is where I'm concentrating more because the next the next bit of track is the is the fastest run in the track. So I really need to prepare to get out, you know, to get out of this turn with the with the so it was he was really narrating the the way he had you know, broken down the stage that he had obviously knew very well because we were going around and around circle, you know. Um, uh, but but it was but it relate it was relating it to me in a way that I don't I'd never I, I think it was one of the most important moments of my life. I think in that way, just having this 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 view of of someone looking at what their own brain is doing and explaining it to you. It just was like, whoa, that is very very bizarre. So yeah. you had an extraordinary experience in a car. Um, yeah. He obviously had a really interesting experience seeing the connection between his driving and, and what you showed could show him on the sort of brain mapping. But yeah. What's the point of this? Why? Why are you doing this study? What, what's what's relevant to high performance rally drivers, to ordinary everyday drivers? So I think the the, the relevance is is quite broad. It, it's a bit hard to explain without a bit of a longer story. Is that you know a lot of times people talk about oh we want to do uh, medical science in space and and people are like why do you want to do it in space? You could just do it here on Earth. And actually it's because in a lot of the extreme environments you know um, you can dis- you can tease out. Um, what would be background noise and things that are not relevant and focus on what is just strictly necessary for that for that outcome. In the case of a rally driver, it's just very unlikely they are either while they're driving that they're thinking about, you know, whatever, their girlfriend or 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 what they're gonna have for dinner. You know, they, they, they're they're probably completely dedicated to the task of uh, at hand because every bit of resource that they have needs to be dedicated to that, to that, to racing. And so in that context, any signal we measure is really focused on that. You know, we're measuring the highest of the performer situation and we're not including distractions and things and other other aspects of your your normal, uh, you know, brain working during the day. And um, what that helps is it basically it helps us create um, a profile of high performance that can really carry over into other dimensions. I mean, if you wanted to try to understand how to do high performance in another sport or maybe even high performance in another type of activity, ultimately you will be in one of these, you know, very restricted states, you know, where we're all, you know, you're sort of automatically going through uh, all the motion. And th- this state is often called um, a state of flow. And, and the science of state of flow is still evolving. It's, it's, it's a, it's, um, it's a kind of like a, a, an area of active research. And I don't think we can say that we've, completely, you know, uh, covered it ourselves. But there are things that we've done that do relate to other types of um, sports and other types of activity, uh, activity that are that are flow. And when you're in flow, you, you're you kind of not completely aware of the world around you. And it's kind of you've, you've kind of let your, 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 your body and brain work together to solve the problem at hand. And, it, and it's this kind of sense of time going through very quickly. And you're not, you're not really being completely, you know, aware of, of, of time in that same sense. And this is basically the kind of high performance you might get in a, in a math exam, in a way, as the same as you, you, you get while you're driving. So the, the thing that's interesting about, about us is that, you know, when we, when we look at the kind of um, uh, mental state that you can be in when you're driving in this kind of really, really on the highest level of performance, 
this is where you could measure, for example, the difference, let's say, between like an ADHD, uh, you know, affected brain, or you could, you, could, you could basically differentiate and tease out differences. And you really understand, you know, also what you can do to try to improve that. And that was some of the things we've done as we go through is, is, is trying to affect people's state before we get them to drive. And, we, you know, we've done different kind of breathing exercises or kind of meditation type uh, activities and see how that impacts. And we see also how it basically makes their their brain more similar to the pro driver's brain. And so th this is the kind of uh, work. So it makes a lot of sense basically to go in this extreme environment because you know the signal is just about performing in that driver context as opposed to being whatever else you normally think about when you're going through your, your normal day-to-day -day life, if that makes sense. So are you saying, if, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying that you can take an ordinary driver, put them through mental training techniques like mindfulness, breathing, meditation, visualization, all that kind of stuff, in order to prepare them to enter a more um, focused state and before they drive? And change yeah, I their mean, driving performance. So on the performance side of driving, so we did some experiments where we even took uh, lay people that weren't even drivers, and 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 uh, and it was a mix of people. Obviously, to, you try to get um, averages, but the the doing, you know, following a certain um, process in terms of you know breathing and, and and getting them prepared mentally has had a massive impact on their performance on on on, on the track. Um, it not this is an, obviously not a real track. This is on a simulator, but um, but you'll find that 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 you know the difference was was incredible. It was it was something like you know if the pro was doing 100, percent like a normal person could reach or something like you know 60, 70 percent of that kind of score. You know, there's a lot of qualification here I have to make because the track was unknown. It was a difficult. It was set to be a little bit difficult for the pro to drive, you know. So, but anyhow, there's a massive difference in improvement in just just you know basically preparing your mind for the activity you're going through. When it comes to um, pro drivers, that effect might not be quite as strong because they they already know. I mean, you probably have internalized certain things that that that, that you just probably do and you don't even realize. You'll probably breathe a certain way differently before or even during. In, in a way to you know make sure you get the right kind of oxygen in there and in some drivers you did see a big difference but but in i think in, in many wasn't quite as big a difference as as it is in people who are learning how to how to kind of go into this this uh state welcome back to episode two of dare to create earlier we heard from yates buckley from unit nine about the impact of the research on drivers brains but now let's dig deeper into the technology and the innovations behind the eeg helmet I chatted to Unit 9's Hugh Boys, one of the engineers of the EEG helmet, about this tech and where it could take us. I don't know uh, how the suspension of these cars changes over time. So I don't know if it's maybe a softer ride today than it used to be. But um, some of the forces going on are absolutely crazy. Um, and then you've got like the, the vertical loads as well. It's not just horizontal side to side. What we have in essence are a bunch of electrodes that need to be making contact. Um, ideally to the, to the skin of the top of your head. We have those in eight different locations. Those, those sensors or those electrodes, they need to maintain relatively in the same position to the rest of your head. And if you've got all these forces going on, you've got the helmet moving, and sometimes the helmet will be moving separate to how your head is moving just because of the, the, the weight of the helmet and the vibrations. 
So we have to think about clever ways to have little strings, in essence, that hold those electrodes against the head in a consistent place that we're not generating too much other noise and we can get a clean signal uh, of the brainwaves. And, and did you manage to do that? We, we managed to achieve uh, surprisingly clean signals. So in EEG reading, there's, there's, there'd be no such thing as like a perfect EEG signal. It's always, uh, the analogy is always, you've got a microphone outside of a stadium and you're trying to detect what's going on in the match when all you have is this microphone recording. So you're trying to minimize all these other uh, minimize all these other noises coming into it that are distracting from that signal, and you're trying to pinpoint uh, something that you're looking for. And in this case, we're looking for a very specific sort of brain frequency, and that brain frequency is deemed alpha, and it's a, a it's a particular type of signal um, that kind of indicates your state of concentration or perhaps state of flow or there's been research that's linked it to sort of your level of concentration so we were looking out for this signal and trying to filter out all the other noise in the signal um and we, we kind of managed to we kind of managed to show that we, we could see some sort of concentration metric um with, with our helmet if somebody's got a really big thick of head of hair does oh, that stand yeah. in the way is that a problem yeah so as a bold man, and obviously me being one of the developers, I mean, I'm testing the helmet a lot. Um, so hair is not such an issue for me. So when we go into the actual sort of uh, in, a, in, in a racing car, when we see a driver that's got like a thick head of hair, we always get like a bit nervous because the hair can get in the way of the electrodes and then making skin contact. But the way we've sort of designed them is, is they have little sort of points on. So... If you, if you move the helmet a little bit, they should brush the hair aside and create good contact with the skin. But ideally, um, we would like it if uh, the racing drivers had no hair at all. Uh, that would or, be the dream, yeah. but or, or it's not going to happen. Or had eight patches of shaved bits on their head. Yeah, li little shaved bits that perfectly lined up with where the electrodes are. That would be great. So and in my, in my experience, in. the drivers have way too big an ego to have patches of baldness on their head. But anyway, that's, oh, a, no, different, that's a different podcast <laughs> altogether. So let's just name check the drivers yeah. that you worked with. Um, and one of them was Gus Greensmith, who is a Ford World Rally car driver, yes? Yeah. Big, thick head, uh, uh, really lovely guy, super accommodating, super interested in the technology. Anything to like that could potentially make him faster, he was interested in. Yeah, of course. So I'm really curious because, um, and, I, and I've got an interesting sort of take on this because I've been in, I've, I've driven, not for some time, I can might add, but even in 20 years ago when these cars were at the, the, peak of engineering and they've come on yeah. loops and bounds since they were a handful to drive and the, the incredible state of mental focus yeah. um I, I can hardly put into words that because you'll go everything's happening so fast and you have to react to everything in a split second that took me years and years and years of practice mm. so when you talk about the um the extreme high performance and the incredible ability of high state of focus for a driver a professional driver uh, and then you compare it to an ordinary person there's sort of no comparison presumably well, that, that's quite it's quite interesting because you, you do have general concepts of the state of flow but i think what's interesting about the rally car driver is 
they're so used to being in this completely alien environment. Like nobody drives their car that fast or should be driving their car that fast and be so used to it and that relaxed. Whereas if, if I was to get into that car and start trying to drive it or to try to handle the performance of that car, I, 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 would, I would not be, be able to get into the same Zen state that rally drivers are capable of just going into getting the job done. Exactly. And that's sort of my point, is that they have um, a very elevated elite level of performance where they mm. can make split seconds under incredible stress, but in a sense, in a state of flow, so it doesn't feel so stressful to them. They're doing yeah. everything at maximum capacity, although that, that's, they just get themselves in a state where that sort of just flows and it's easier for them. How can you possibly then put an ordinary person in this simulator with the helmet on and make any kind of comparison? That's really interesting. That is really interesting. Um, so obviously, uh, I, I've been in the simulator quite a lot and I, I've been trying to drive the simulated car around the track um, to like uh, a reasonable pace, but I, it's, just, it's, it's just too much of a learning curve. There's just too much going on. Yeah. You need that sort of wealth of experience to be able to sort of access this sort of zen state where you can just sort of, I guess in a way to a rally car driver, they're not thinking about it in a sense. They go to the special place where it's sort of like muscle memory. So to compare like a normal driver with like a pro driver is, is kind of, you're not going to see the same thing. Yeah. yeah, they have an unconscious competence. They don't even know how brilliant they are. They just do it. it. it exactly. It's the confidence thing. It's, uh, it's, it's confidence, practice, muscle memory, having a complete, completely synced with the controls of the car and the yeah. feeling of the car. I suppose I'm, I'm also drawn to the, 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 the bit of that I've read about the research of this project, that you asked um, ordinary people to mentally oh, prepare yeah. for, for going in a simulator. Uh, yeah. Tell me about that and what, how, how you asked them to prepare for that, how, what you thought was possible. Basically, we tried different types of sort of relaxation techniques to try to get you into the zone. So what we were doing is we were recording people's sort of baseline times around a track uh, in, the, in the simulator. And then we were doing interventions uh, such as the Wim Hof method, which involves, you know, taking a cold shower and breathing in a certain way. Yeah. And then we tried uh, relaxation and meditation uh, tracks to see if we could get the user into the same state. And then we then looked at how this sort of a their performance when they were in the simulator so we're seeing if for an average person does it make sense for them to be in this sort of calm state yes and i, I I'm, I'm a little bit envious honestly that um i wasn't able to try that experiment myself because i think it would have been enormously beneficial and i'm guessing you did see a, a huge benefit yeah sure so um some of the it's quite well known that uh, a lot of the drivers have these sort of um coaches that sort of help them prepare mentally for the races and to help them relax and get into the zone um so this the helmet as a possible tool to assess this could be really interesting because we could be like oh maybe the driver was distracted or they, they couldn't quite get to the same place that they were in testing, so we're struggling to sort of concentrate. But another really interesting aspect is we can see when the driver starts to become distracted or 
maybe there's like some sort of interjection across the radio and that will distract them. And then we can see that uh, in the EEG signals. Yeah, so the team can then dial out any potential distractions to increase the performance of the driver. Exactly. So it's looking at the driver as a sort of unit that has to perform as well as the car. So this, honestly, I could talk to you all day long about this. I am fascinated. And of course, in my day, um, any drivers that had performance coaches were seen as um, it was seen as a sort of a sign of weakness in those days. No now, way. Yeah, I mean, amazing. No, but it was everyone was way too uh, macho, I suppose, to to think that that was a thing. I'm so okay. happy that's all changed because it clearly is absolutely not a sign of weakness. It's the opposite. It's a sign of of being on top of your game and, and looking I, for every every aspect of strength you can possibly I think get. I think that's it. You're, you're just looking to shave off seconds and anything that could potentially help you, I, I think you're going to be doing it because you, yes. you need to stay at the top. Thank you for listening to Ford's Dare to Create podcast. Join us for our next episode where we'll be talking about sustainability with Julia Palais from Formula E and Darren Palmer from Ford. Listen to Dare to Create across all major podcasting platforms now. <laughs>